Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz go down to defeat again. That was not good. It was different. I'll give them that. It was definitely different than the previous losses, and yet in the end, it's a fourth straight home loss. And, of course, when you look at the big picture, the whole streak, this is the one that is uh, sort of kind of forgivable because Boston's a better team. Should have beat the Suns. Should have beat the Spurs. You wouldn't have a four-game losing streak. There it is. Those two are just screaming, there's a problem. Now, some of it got fixed. There were baby steps forward. I don't want to get too carried away about that because it's such a low bar. I mean, the Suns' performance was so bad. It was just awful. So improving from that, well, of course you did because that was horrible and none of you would be in the league if you played like that 82 games in a row. You'd be radioactive. Nobody would go near you. So, of course, they improved. Quinn Snyder, you'll hear it in the Best of the Jazz postgame coming up, thought he tried to be very positive because that's what this team needs now. Right now, this team needs a big old dose of positivity. They came out, they played hard, they got thrown a curveball early in the game, Donovan goes to the bench in foul trouble, and they just could not score without him. They had a 15-point quarter, and that's the lowest scoring quarter of the season. And the only reason they had a 15-point quarter is Quinn put Donovan in at the end of the quarter, despite the fact he had two fouls, and he drove the hoop and scored on the last possession of the quarter, or they would have been stuck on 13. It was not good. There were mistakes all over the place. Now, they didn't get their doors blown off. The game wasn't over. They didn't get treated the way Utah State treated San Jose State because they defended. They did try harder. And they got back in transition. And they made some mistakes. And in the first quarter, they rebounded very poorly. They gave up three offensive rebounds. They all turned into hoops. It was six points. Hey, you know, when you've only given up uh, 23 points in a quarter, you're not having a bad quarter. But think about it. If you'd been rebounding properly and they'd had zero or one putbacks, they'd be sitting on a 17 or 19-point quarter. could have been great. So there was some stuff going on, you know, that was encouraging. Now, the problem was uh, Tatum was hot. Again, I mean, he's been on a tear here over the last 10 games or so. He's averaging 30 points a game. And his last two games on this Western road trip, he scored 41 on national TV. You may have caught that Sunday afternoon against the Lakers. And then he backed that up with a 36-point game against the uh, Blazers. And then he just came out and started lighting the Jazz up. He had 25 points at halftime on his way to, what, I guess, 37. So, you know, Tatum's just really, really good. And he's a real problem. Um, Donovan Mitchell got hot in the second quarter, so that kind of uh, offset it. And, you know, it was a two-point game at the half, and it was the 53-51. It was still tied at 82. And then at the end, uh, Boston just took over and blew it open. And there was, there was no drama in the final five minutes. Boston was going to win that game. I really thought when they stretched the lead to 13 and Quinn called him out with about seven and a half minutes to go, I thought it was over at that point. This team isn't in a place to fight back from a 13-point deficit. That's hard to do in the final seven minutes. It doesn't happen very often. It does happen. Um, and a really good team playing well at home would be the one to pull it up, but the Jazz are not currently playing well. So it wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, there's some encouraging signs. Uh, Donovan Mitch was aggressive, and I like that. The downside is when he has a big quarter in the second quarter, it's hard to sustain that. You know, somebody else has got to step up, and I thought there were probably, what, at least four guys who were well below 
uh, what they're capable of offensively. We haven't seen many bad nights out of Jordan Clarkson, but he was four for 13 shooting the ball. That was not a good night. Um, you know, certainly on another night and another game, they get a little more out of him, and that makes this game tighter and maybe put some drama into the final couple minutes. And another guy who actually probably would have taken 4 of 13 was Bogdanovich because he's one of eight. He's clearly been struggling coming out of the All-Star break. So there's two guys you expect to provide a big scoring punch, and they're combined 5 of 21. They're shooting less than 25%. So that hurt. And then on top of that, I thought Gobert and Ingles. Now, I thought the difference with Gobert and Ingles is they just didn't get a lot of shots. Gobert only had four shots. I know he had one of them off an offensive rebound. Um, at least one. Maybe he had more, but one comes to mind. Uh, Joe Ingles had, uh, only took three shots. He was one for three. So Ingles finishes with two points. Gobert finishes with nine. They combined for 11. And in any other given night, either one of them could have 15 points and you wouldn't bat an eye. But they combined for 11. So you got four guys well below average. And, you know, 103 points is not a winning number in the NBA uh, very often anymore. Yeah. Just looking at the scores from last night, Orlando uh, scored 130 to win. Minnesota needed 129 to win in Miami. Uh, Houston, of course, Houston, they put 140 on the board. Small ball's working. Uh, Dallas needed 109 to win in San Antonio. So, you know, you need some bigger numbers. 103 really isn't a winning number in the NBA anymore. So as much as the problems have been defensively, and they're still there, on this night, there were some offensive problems, too. Right now, you know, when things go bad, it just feels like they're playing whack-a-mole here. You know, it's like in the first quarter, you just, I can just, I mean, we can't hear in the huddle, obviously, but I'm sure Quinn Snyder is just, you got a rebound, you got a defensive rebound, right? <laughs> but then later in the game, he's not yelling that at all. And it's hard to yell at guys to make shots because everybody wants to make shots. You know, you don't really need advice. Uh, you need to make shots. Thanks, Captain Obvious. You're really helping over there. Um, when Donovan gets going like that, you know, he's going to be aggressive. He's going to keep attacking. But for all the people who want to see the ball move and want to see the blender, well, that's not happening. They're just getting the ball to Donovan. He's running a pick and roll and he's scoring. So guys aren't getting shots. You know, he's getting to the rim and finishing and he's hitting a high percentage of them. So there aren't offensive rebounds for Rudy to get. And he's scoring because they respect Joe Ingles and they won't leave him. They'd rather give up a two to Donovan than give up a three to Joe. So there's not getting any shots. He's basically becoming a decoy. And teams aren't leaving him. Now he spreads the floor, and that's great. But it's only great if when Clarkson drives, he can score. If he's driving and he's 4 for 13, then, you know, Joe's contribution is minimized. So it's whack-a-mole time, and we can go around and look at it, a lot of stuff. There were times that they broke down defensively. There were times they broke down in rebounding. And certainly offensively, I think you can look at four guys who uh, had below-average nights. So... It's frustrating, but there's nothing you can do but suck it up and go play the Wizards because if you lose that one, you're 0-5 at home. And it's just the Jazz have been so good at home for so long. And they had some bad home records when they were doing the rebuild, certainly. Uh, in between the Stockton Malone era and D. Will and Boozer, they had some uh, a bad home record uh, or two, actually, maybe. Um, but it doesn't happen very often. And these losing streaks don't happen, and they really haunt you. Now, I don't think that this was the biggest crime against basketball. You know, that, that's what the Suns game was. And then that Quinn came out, and he was just clearly, clearly, he took a minute to think about what he wanted to say to the media, 
and he thought, you know what? There's a ton of negativity out there. There's a four-game losing streak. These guys know it's going poorly. I don't need to go out there and bang on them. And he did after the Phoenix game because there was no effort. But he came out and acknowledged right away the effort was way better. And because there's effort and there's frustration and they know they're struggling, you don't need to go out there and say, hey, these guys are struggling. Again, Captain Obvious, you know that. So he kind of goes the other way. You'll hear that in the best of the postgame show coming up. Meanwhile, the Jazz just keeps sinking in the standings. And I know nobody wants to hear that, or but it just, you know, Oklahoma City's been playing well. So now they're tied. Uh, they're both 36 and 22. So those two teams are now tied in the standings for fifth place, and the Jazz could be sixth pretty quickly. But the thing is, when you're going poorly, the whole standings thing is more interesting when you're winning and you're climbing. Because when you're going poorly, if you're not playing well in your five, well, you're going to be in a playoff series with the Rockets. And if the Rockets get hot and climb up to second or third, well, then you're going to be in a series with the Clippers or the Nuggets. And if you're playing as a five and they got the home court advantage and you're playing poorly, you're going to get drilled. It's going to be over in five. They're going to win at home. They're going to come into your building and take one. They're going to go back home and close you out. It's a familiar story. The Jazz have seen that in a couple times in the playoffs, you know, losing to the Rockets. Um, so it doesn't really matter if they're five or six because if you're going poorly, you'll lose either way. I guess it wouldn't matter if they dropped to seven for that matter. And Dallas won, so that's tightening up as well. But again, does it matter if you're five, six, or seven if it's going poorly? The important thing is to figure it out so it's not going poorly. You still got uh, – they came in with 28 games. So I guess they got 24 games left in the season, and you got to figure this out. And I know I, I saw Twitter. There's a big chunk of you out there, and we can get into this later in the show. are like, hold these guys accountable. Call these guys out. Hey, this is the NBA. And I know the Jazz, especially in the Sloan era, Jerry was very slow to make player moves. And Scott Layden was slow to make player moves. Maybe Kevin O'Connor was a little more aggressive. So things changed a little bit. Things have definitely changed now. This is a club that does not sign, re-sign popular free agents. Derek Favors popular. Ricky Rubio popular. They're, you, you, you trade them or you, you move them if they're free agent and you let them go. If you got a year left on your deal, you know, you move them in a trade. Um, they make midseason trades and ship guys out, and they cut guys. And guys will be held accountable. Now, you want to snap your fingers and have a guy held accountable in, in you know, two minutes. That doesn't happen, but trust me, guys will be held accountable. Don't worry about that. They need to figure this out in the next 24 games. Yeah. Dennis Lindsay isn't high on patience. Jerry Sloan was. Uh, I guess next to Jerry, anybody would be less patient. Uh, but I think guys have clearly been held accountable in this organization. So I wouldn't worry so much about that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, best of the Jazz post game show. You hear from the guys. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get beat. The Boston Celtics take them down 114 to 103. The final score. All right, here's Jake with the best of the postgame show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your Jazz recap here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz lost their fourth consecutive game last night, fourth consecutive game at home. They lose to the Boston Celtics 114 to 103. The Jazz were led by Donovan Mitchell who had 37 points. It's his third consecutive 30-point game. He was 15 of 32, shooting 2 of 10 from 3. He also had 5 assists and 5 rebounds. Mike Conley had 15 points last night. Royce O'Neal added 14. But Bojan Bogdanovic and Joe Ingles really struggling. Of course, some controversy yesterday as uh, Joe Ingles ends up going to the bench. Royce O'Neal replaces him in the starting lineup. However, after shoot-around, we thought it was Mike Conley that was going to go to the bench and not Joe Ingles. But before game time, actually just a couple of hours after the initial report, we found out that it's Joe Ingles who was going to be coming off the bench, and it'll be interesting to see if that continues. All right, let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Well, I was, you know, it's not the result that that we want, obviously, but you know, I was, I thought we gave a really, really pure, good effort and I think you could feel it watching the game. Um, you know, we we got to make a few more shots. You know, Boston hit some tough shots. We had a couple breakdowns that, that cost us during the stretch that, you know, particularly when Smart hit those threes, um, but I, I saw a team that was committed to defending and playing together. Quinn, uh, Donovan has a big scoring first half, and then as the second half goes along, doesn't get any help. Uh, quiet nights from Bogey and Joe. Yeah. Why are those guys struggling so much right now? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think we there, – there's no kind of sweeping generalizations. You know, everybody's had um, – Tough stretches, tough nights. You know, Donovan's doing everything he can to, you know, to he let us in assist tonight. And we've got some guys that we we believe in that, you know, are going to find it. And you know, that's that's all of us as much as anything. And that's where, you know, that's where you're. You know, that's why it's a team game. And you know, that's the, the message is really that simple. You know, everybody just keep playing and keep competing and play together and play hard and play defense. Do you get a sense that the team recognizes how much make or miss kind of plays into? I mean, when there, especially when there is a losing streak. Well, you know, I, I, I guess every you know you always know um, when you miss and you feel when you make. I, I think the thing that we've talked about is you know our absolutes and trying to control the things we can control. And um, you know, by and large, I thought we we did that tonight. You know, like I said, there were some. There were some breakdowns at various times. That'll that'll happen, and that's when that's when making shots helps because it you know it equalizes those things. But um, you know, players always always feel when the ball's going in and when it's not, and we're all human. And you know, making shots, getting dunks, those things um, give you energy. But I thought we did a good job tonight of playing through that. You know, when we weren't making, we you know our defensive effort and our energy stayed at a, at a good level. I mean, I just I felt differently about tonight's game compared to the games we've played the last couple of games so um, not a, a you know not a moral victory in that sense at all but you know a team that just is going to keep working and you know keep finding it and keep getting better from where we are two nights ago when you guys are in a you know in a rut like this um, 
you know, how do you, is there any one subtle thing that you guys can do to kind of, that leads to a big thing, that leads to another big thing yeah. that can help you break out of it? I mean, it, 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 those are the, the great questions, right? If you could find that one subtle thing and, and the dominoes fall. Um, I think the, the thing for us that's both subtle and not so subtle is, is just defending and throwing ourselves into that end of the floor. Um, that's what we did tonight and, you know, keep attacking. You know, I don't want our group to lose confidence. You know, there's a reality when you lose a game, you know, that that impacts you. We've got a group of guys that, you know, competes and competes for each other and you just got to keep at it. It's a, you know, this is an NBA season and, you know, there's ups and downs and this is a down right now, but I've said it before. It's what, you know, what we do with it and what I saw tonight was a step from where we were. Quinn, I know that you said, you know, uh, he asked a question about Bogey and about Joe, but as far as Joe's concerned, other than kind of passing up some of the open shots, he only took three shot attempts tonight. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you can do maybe to get him more involved or what's happening there? Uh, you know, uh, Joe's, you know, like all of us, you know, we, we can't pass up open threes. We need that. Um, I thought Joe defended, you know, there's, you know, there's, we'll look at it, and, but it's not about any, you know, it's not about any one guy. Um, I think collectively we, we play for each other and um, we want guys to take open shots, you know, Joe included, and obviously Boyan as well. But it's, you know, it's us. It's not, you know. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, who was um, not necessarily pleased with the way his team played, however, thought that they did try harder. The effort was better than it's been uh, over the past couple of games. All right, let's take you into the locker room. Let's start with new starter Royce O'Neal. Some positive things, and there were definitely glimpses tonight. But how are you just overall feeling right now? Uh, I mean, we're all bummed, but uh, I think overall, you know, we pick it up on the defense end, which was one of the I mean, one of the main emphasis that coach was talking about before the game. And then, you know, just, you know, we had stretches where we didn't play defense, so but it happens. How do you um, eliminate or try to work on making those stretches less and less and having that consistency for 48 minutes? Uh, I think, you know, just everybody just being locked in, uh, communicating more. You know, uh, everybody, we all miss, you know, help out opportunities uh, towards each other. And then, uh, you know, on offense, we just got to move the ball more. You know, he's getting great shots. I mean, they just didn't fall, so. Do you think that lack of guys like or having quiet nights? No, I mean, not at all. I mean, we all had great looks. Uh, I mean, shots just didn't fall. We were, what, one for 11 in the first quarter or something like that from three. Shots we usually make, but uh, you know, I'm just gonna keep playing. Royce, can you speak a little bit about how you learned throughout the course of the day that the lineup change was coming? I mean, well, I'm starting coming off the bench, you know, uh, and play hard. You know, everybody don't really care who's playing as long as we're playing for each other. But uh, I mean, before I shoot around, found out, but it wasn't a big deal to me. Was it? Did they tell you that you were starting and Joe was coming off the bench? Was it? With a mic at first, and then Joe, can you take us through that? Uh, you, I mean, know? everybody was like, Mike was not starting, and they said Joe, but no, nobody really cared. I mean, he was always going to play, so. I know you're disappointed with the loss, but is it something you can build up from tonight? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, especially our defense, we know we can take it up another notch. Uh, offense, you know, we're going to see where we do, uh, where we can build on, move the ball more. Uh, keep getting great looks and, you know, just compete hard every game. Obviously another loss, but did this one feel different than the previous three? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you could tell everybody was more locked in. Uh, we all play hard. Uh, we just had those stretches, you know, we just can't let those happen. But I think from the start of the game all the way to the end, our defense intensity was higher. Guys, that's Royce O'Neal. Let's go back to you. That was Royce O'Neal who had 14 points on four of seven shooting, four boards, uh, an assist and three steals. He was asked about the situation earlier in the day with Mike Conley. Royce seems to say it doesn't matter that uh, this team, members of the team are going to go out and do what the coaches ask of them. All right, let's uh, get more locker room sound for you. Here is Jazz point guard Mike Conley. Um, you know, I thought we saw a little bit, you know, of of you know what we can do and what our you know what jazz basketball is and um, you know playing against a good team you gotta you know, it's hard to be trying to find your way through games like that but I thought we didn't hang our head too much on different runs we just kept playing our ball and um, you know wish we would have you know made less turnovers made more shots obviously got more stops but if we continue to play that hard and, and play together we'll start to you know win these games. Do you feel a difference when you guys are in attack mode or like Donovan himself is just going to the rim? Yeah, when Donovan's like that, uh, the game becomes easy. You know, guys have to, you know, really, you know, find him on the court because he's pushing the ball, he's making plays, and um, we're spacing the court, you know, just ready to shoot the ball. And uh, but I think it, it, it helps everybody else, you know, it gets everybody else involved and uh, excited and, and engaged in the game. So. Um, tonight was it was a good night for him, but I thought a lot of guys played off of him well. Mike, you've played in the league a number of years. When the losses start to mount up like this, how critical is it not to let the weight get heavier and heavier? And, and how do you combat something like that? Yeah, it's important not to you know start to sink into you know a dark place in this time. Um, continue to stay together, but think less of the result you know right now and. and um, get back to fundamentals and, and working and and being physical defensively and getting rebounds and pushing the ball and being unselfish you know all the little things that um, you know we 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 preach every day and um, and we will start to win games and that's not a, that's not an issue we're too good not to so um, you know we just got to continue to to play the right way. Mike, what happened this morning with the starting lineup? Thing? You told you were benched and then what happened? <laughs> um, yeah, I was told I was coming off the bench, and then uh, I took a nap and woke up, and I was starting. So I, it just it happened that way, I guess. And you know, thankfully we have the guys on our team. You know, Joe, myself, Royce. You know, we know that that can happen any game, and um, guys are selfless enough to just you know take that role and keep going. And, and Joe did a great job tonight, and, and Royce did as well. Do you know why the change was made? Um, I, I don't, you know, I think that's some, some for coach. Yeah. Mike, just, uh, eight shots for Bogey tonight, just three for Joe. Is there anything that can be done to kind of help those guys get going in the offense a little bit more? Yeah, I think, uh, one, when we get stops, just pushing the ball and getting them easy, easy opportunities in transition. You know, I think teams are trying to switch a lot more on our, you know, on the defensive end and, um, and cause us to try to go one-on-one and, um, and the ball kind of sticks, and when, when we do that, it's, it's hard to get the ball around the horn. So, I think just getting the ball out and pushing it, and trying to find them early in transition, um, where there's more space and uh, more opportunity. Thanks, Mike. Guys, that's Mike Conley. Let's go back to you. 
That was Mike Conley said uh, after shoot-around, he thought he was coming off the bench. After his nap, he knew he was back in the starting lineup. Let's now let you hear from Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, you know, we, we competed defensively. You know, I think we can hang our hats on that. But, you know, now it's about sustaining it for 48 minutes. You know, I don't think we, you know, should be upset at our effort. You know, just little mistakes that we can fix. And, you know, they're a good team. They're going to capitalize if you make mistakes. Um, I think for, for one, just being able to move the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, I think got a little stagnant. Their zone kind of messes up a little bit. Um, they did a good job, uh, but we'll, we'll work on it. I'll ask the same question about Rudy. Only four shots tonight. Yeah, um, just got to move the ball um, and just find a way. With you guys on the defensive end, I mean, do you feel like you hit the absolutes more than you did against Phoenix? Yeah, for sure. You know, we definitely saw a team that came out hungry and aggressive. And, you know, I have no complaints of what we did defensively. Obviously, you're going to make mistakes. You know, and now it's just about limiting, limiting them. Donovan, you're a guy that prides yourself on honesty mm-hmm. and then also mental toughness. How important is it to keep proper perspective here as a team and, and make sure that the losses don't carry more weight than they need to? Um, I think it's huge. We've been here before at the beginning of the year, so now it's a matter of just finding a way. You know, we have, you know, this was this is a, a good sign. You know, after the past three games, but you know, obviously we want to win. But you know, it's it's, it's we just got to continue to stay locked in and stay focused. When you see guys that are kind of passing up open shots, I mean, when the timeout comes or something, do you say anything to them like keep shooting? Just tell them to be aggressive. You know, it's nothing. Um, sometimes you, they're passing up to try and be unselfish, and that's the great thing about this team. We have unselfish guys who want to find others, and um, sometimes you got to go out there and, and, and let it flow. Thank you. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. That was Donovan Mitchell, who had 37 points, five assists, and five rebounds in the loss. Let's now let you hear from Rudy Gobert. Rudy, tonight, uh, I know you guys are, uh, Mike Conley said, you know, the result is one thing, but you guys have to get back to focusing on the process. What about the process did you like about tonight, and what do you still want to see fixed? Uh, I, like, I like the way we play defense tonight. You know, I think uh, it was day and night compared to the, the, the last three games. Uh, we still have some work to do, but uh, overall, we we put ourselves in a position that where we can win the game. And you know, they hit. A, I mean, Marcus Smart hit three threes in a row, or they hit a few shots. Some things maybe we can fix, but for the most part, I think we we are uh, we on the right path defensively. What was happening defensively that was an improvement from the previous two? Ah, uh, I think everything. I mean, mostly our pressure on the ball, physicality. Disruption, you know, we're more disruptive tonight. Uh, transition defense, I think we did a good job running back. Uh, we did a few Euro fouls when we needed to. So just, uh, we were just smaller defensively. Do you need more touches offensively? I don't know. I mean, I watched the game and, you know, see from there. It's always tough to tell, you know, right after the game. So just going to watch film and see what's, you know, what's there, what's not. What was happening with the offense generally in the fourth quarter? It seemed like there were a lot of possessions that kind of bogged down as the as the game progressed toward the end. Sorry, what's that? What happened? Uh, you guys were playing pretty well offensively in the second and third quarters, and then in the fourth it kind of got stuck a little bit. It seemed like the ball wasn't moving as much. What happened in the fourth? The answer is in the question. <laughs> the, the ball didn't, I think the ball could have moved a little better. Uh, you know, and when we stopped moving it, uh, it's magical. We we know it's good defensively. So we gotta stay on each other and you know make sure we we keep moving it. How do you mentally make sure that it, the losses kind of don't come down and, and kind of get you down mentally as you're tired? 
I mean, every day, every day is a new opportunity to, you know, to get better. And uh, even if we, we we lost a few games that we think we should have won, we still, you know, in a in a good position. You know, we still uh, want to be a, a playoff team, and you know, and we still think if we if we do the right thing, we can, you know, we can be very good. We we gotta figure it out now, and you know, finish the season on a high note, and then get ready for the playoffs. Thanks, Thanks, Rudy. Thanks, Rudy. Guys, that's Rudy Thank Gobert. You. Let's go back to you. That was Rudy Gobert. Wants to see a little more ball movement. He had nine points, nine rebounds last night. He had a couple of block shots as well. Jazz lose to the Boston Celtics, 114-103. to Up next, uh, Friday night, tomorrow night's game, the Jazz take on the Wizards here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. That game will tip off at 7. Pre-game begins at 6. There's Jake with the best of the post-game show as the Jazz lose their fourth straight home game. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more on the Jazz, a little more big picture. We will get to that. We'll talk with uh, Andy Bailey about the Jazz next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Uh, we had Andy Bailey on right at the end of the show yesterday talking about the Jazz. He covers the Jazz and the NBA. Uh, Forbes.com, you can read his stuff. He comes on the show all the time. So we're going to get to his thoughts on the Jazz and also on the NBA and where things are headed for some of the better teams in this league. Here's Andy Bailey with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time now to welcome in Andy Bailey. He covers the Utah Jazz and the NBA for Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. Andy, let's get right to it. Jazz fans want to know, are they going to beat the Celtics tonight? Because they've had just about enough of this losing stuff. Ooh, um, geez, I'd be hard-pressed to predict a win, especially with the way that Boston is playing right now. I mean, Jason Tatum's been on just an unbelievable tear here lately. I think, I don't even, I don't know the exact number of games, but his last, I don't know, six or seven or something, he's averaging 30 points, shooting like 50% from the field, and I just, I don't know if Utah has a guy who can defend him with his size and versatility and shot-making ability. Maybe he's, he's due for an off night. They're coming on the, the second night of a back-to-back, and they just played in Portland, which is usually a pretty tough place to play, although they're just decimated by injuries this season, so they didn't have to expend a ton of energy in, in Portland last night as they may have if they had faced Lillard and all those guys. But, uh, geez, I don't, that's a toss-up to me. If I, was a, if, if I was giving betting advice, I'd say this is a stay away for sure with the way Utah's playing too. It's just it's a tough game to wrap your head around right now. So, obviously, obviously we know the Jazz came out of the, street, uh, the All-Star break losing three in a row. Uh, with that in mind, all three at home, you see them at any form of a crossroads right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the comments that a lot of the players offered after the last loss, um, which was certainly the most disappointing because it came against a sub-500 team, would indicate that they, I think they probably feel like it's a little bit of a crossroads. Um, Andy Larson at the Salt Lake Tribune had some interesting takes on it after the game. and He kind of thought maybe they got complacent after they hit second place in the standings or maybe – 
Mitchell and Gobert got individually complacent after they were selected to the All-Star game. Um, there was, generally speaking, in the Quinn Snyder era, there was this sort of grittiness and toughness to the Jazz teams where they didn't always have three or four great you know, offensive talents in the lineup, but they were able to grind teams down, wear them down, beat them on the defensive end. And a lot of that greediness just seems to come and go with this team. I, I think there have been stretches in the season where it's kind of there, but there's also been a bunch of stretches where it's just not. I mean, they didn't play very well for a little period at the beginning of the season. They obviously had the five-game losing streak earlier. They're in the middle of a losing streak again here now. Um, they're just there's a there's a tendency for complacency. I don't I don't know about that sentence, but that's what I'm going to go with um, with this team that I just don't think has always been present with Quinn Snyder's team. So I think yeah, you could say they're at a bit of a crossroads. There's also a piece of me that thinks that maybe we're just overreacting a little bit. I mean, it's an 82-game season. They're still on pace for over 50 wins. They have a top-10 net rating against teams in the top-10 of net rating. Um, you know, they have a losing record against those top-10 two, top ten teams, but they're still one of the better teams in the league against stiff competition. So there, there are some positive signs, too, and I think maybe in two or three weeks we may look back on this and say they just need a little bit of a wake-up call. Um but yeah, I, I think there's more cause for concern than I than I thought there was coming into this season. I think the up and down nature of the Jazz season. There's probably several things going on, and I think most recently I've been looking at effort issues and hustle issues and focus issues mm-hmm. and all that. But there's some X's and O's in in this stew. I don't think they've been the major part of what we've seen recently. But the league is clearly picking up on we have got to move Gobert not away from the hoop. We can move all the way out to the three-point line. Everybody saw the chase down block at the end of the Dallas game, right? So if he's 12 feet from the hoop, that's not good enough. This guy needs to be 22 feet from the hoop. And Houston's got the small ball. They're all in on that, obviously. But Minnesota and Denver and the Lakers all have lineups out where they can put five three-point shooters on the floor and put everybody beyond the arc. How much of the Jazz defensive identity is seriously hurt by that strategy? I think that's an excellent point. And even Phoenix did that in the, the loss to the Suns. They put Dario Saric at the five for a while, and it, and it had a similar effect to what Houston did to Rudy Gobert. And he's, I think he's better than people give him credit for at the perimeter. But when you're 20 feet from the rim, you're 20 feet from the rim, like you said. And, and uh, you know, a lot of his value over the years has been tied to the fact that when he's by the, the basket or in the paint, um, you know, offensive players can, can break the three-point line, see him, and literally U-turn and run out of there. Uh, if he's not there, it's, it's just a whole different ballgame. Um, I, I think what it does is put a lot more pressure on the perimeter defenders. I mean, for years, it's been like, it was almost schemed. Let's force guys one way. Let's funnel funnel them into Gobert, and we'll be fine. Um, now they're funneling them into an open paint, and, and you know Royce O'Neal rotating over from the corner is a lot different than Rudy Gobert already standing there. So I don't know what you can do besides say, "Hey guys, you got to do a better job of staying in front of your man." Um, I mean, that's that's easier said than done, especially for guys. I mean, I think Joe Ingles is a good perimeter defender. I think Bogdanovich is maybe a little underrated. I think O'Neal's a good perimeter defender. Um, but they, they've been routinely blown by during this rough stretch. I think they're like, what, 4-8 and eight in their last 12. And there's there's just been a lot of defensive lapses um, over the course of that 
strats, and, and those perimeter guys are just going to have to absolutely be locked in. If Gobert's not back there to, to cover their behinds, um, they just have to be better. It's, it seems very seems like a very reductive answer to just say stay in front of your guy. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. So now that we're a week out from the All-Star break and March is bearing down on us, it's getting down to the stretch run for sure. Handicap the West for us. The West, as always, is just um, brutal. I, I think the Lakers have probably done enough to hang on to number one. Uh, they're, they're six up in the lost column now in Denver, so that's probably solved. But once again, like two through, I'll say seven, is, is wide open. Um, <laughs> the, this is going to be another one of those seasons where the, the standings just sort of shift constantly um, over the course of the next few weeks. If I were to handicap it in terms of, which teams do I think have a shot to make it to the finals, you know, regardless of where they, they end up in the standings? Because, again, I, I think two through seven is just going to be, um, you know, it's almost like putting names in a hat and, and trying to draw those out. There's going to be a ton of good first-round series um, between those teams. The ones that I would consider, you know, legitimate title contenders right now, it's hard to count out Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers. Um, and I'm – I'm more open to what Houston's doing every single time I see them. Uh, essentially, opening up the floor for Russell Westbrook and making him, in, in some ways, kind of the center on this team has just it, it's changed things for them significantly. And I think they're a lot more dangerous now. Um, I would I would pick the Lakers against any of these teams. I think probably at this point, I, I think the Clippers are close, but these are teams that I wouldn't be shocked to see get all the way to the finals. I think Denver still has a chance too. Um, they, they have a top five player, in my opinion, in, in Jokic and just one of the best offensive hubs we have in the league. Um, Dallas and OKC are just kind of plucky now. And I'm almost at a point where I'm, I, I almost have to bump Utah down to that tier with Utah, OKC, and Dallas. And there's a little piece of me that thinks if we got in a seven, if, if the Jazz got in a seven game series with either of those teams, um, they have guys who, who are maybe more capable of taking over a series than Chris Paul and Luka Doncic than the Jazz do. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell can obviously get hot. Rudy Gobert can control things defensively if, if he's allowed to be by the pain, as we were just discussing. Um, but there, there could be some serious matchup problems from either one of those teams for Utah, too. So, as always, it's the wild, wild west. It's, it's kind of a difficult thing to predict, but I do think there's probably still four or five teams that I could reasonably see getting all the way to the finals. So, with what Houston's done... Is that where more teams are going to go? Or is that something you can only do when you have James Harden and, and Westbrook? I think that more teams are going to go with elements of it. I, I don't know if very many teams can um, rely as heavily on the isolation as Houston does. But the idea of positionless basketball, I, I think, has been on the way for a while now. In fact, when Quinn Snyder was hired by the Jazz, that was kind of a buzzword um, in his opening remarks as the jazz coach was that he liked positionless basketball. And when you look around the league, there, like you said, there are other teams that are kind of doing it. Um, you mentioned uh, that the Lakers can go small. I, I, you know, I think Phoenix again went small against the jazz in that game. One team that's been doing it basically all season is the Celtics. Daniel Tice plays like a big man, but he's six, eight. Um, and he, he's pretty switchy. Like, he can switch on the wings, and, and Boston's not going to get killed by that. He can step out and hit threes. Um, their entire starting lineup is 6-8 and under. Uh, so, so I think it's absolutely on the way. Just instead of saying, 
here's our point guard, shooting guard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, here are five basketball players who can all guard the other five basketball players, who can all dribble, who can all pass, uh, who can all run pick and roll. I think it just makes offenses a lot more dynamic. It makes defenses more versatile because you can just switch everything. Um, you know, these trends come and go pretty quickly in the NBA. So maybe 10 years from now we see another shack in the league and it just ruins this whole positionless thing. But I definitely think this is going to be the trend here for a little bit. Well, I think that uh, even with Shaq, and you know, the Jazz could use Carl Malone as a center and go semi-positionless, and they just pick and roll Shaq right out of the playoffs two years in a row. So there's something even then that was kind of, in a way, the start of the trend. Andy Bailey covering the Utah Jazz and the NBA for Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. So then with that in mind, since you spoke a little bit about the East, Andy, handicapped East for us. The East is, you know, I get everybody's hesitance with the Bucks. I, I think it's natural for people to look at teams and say they don't really have anybody on there who's done it before, so it's hard to it's hard to count on them to do it. But Milwaukee is on pace to have the third most wins in a regular season ever. Um, there's obviously the 73-win Warriors, the 72-win Bulls, and now Milwaukee is trending towards 70, and they, they played Toronto in Toronto last night, a fully healthy well, – I guess the Raptors were missing the Marcus Salt, who's pretty big key for them, but a mostly healthy Raptors team. And it was close, uh, you know, here and there, but Milwaukee mostly controlled the game. And what is most impressive to me about them is when Giannis is off the floor, their net rating is still something like, you know, plus seven points per 100 possessions, something like that, which is basically would, would equate to the second-best team in the league. It's right around where Boston is. Um, they are so deep. They're, they are built so perfectly, tailored so perfectly to Giannis' skill set. Um, I, I, I'm kind of guilty of this, too. I look at the Lakers, and I see they've got LeBron, who's won multiple championships. The Clippers have Kawhi, who's won multiple championships. And it's hard for me to pick against those teams. But if you're just making a purely statistical argument, it's, it's hard to look away from the Bucks. Now, having said all that, I don't think I would be – completely stunned if if Toronto or Boston or even Philly still uh, came out of the East. I think Philly has a bunch of problems that have been analyzed probably about as much as any team in the league this season, but their top-end talent is just ridiculous. Um, and, and you see it on display in that, that game that Embiid played without Simmons the other day when he had, I think, 49 points or something like that. He, he's just such a handful Um Inside, and I think when they now that they've kind of figured out that the Horford and Embiid pairing may not be their best option, they're going to be even better. Um, so I think they're solid. I think I love Boston's switchability, their positionless basketball, and I think they'll have a good, smart defensive scheme for Giannis. They're probably going to double him hard all the time, and they're good at rotating. So I think they have a chance to beat the Bucks, um, and then the Raptors. They're just they're a heck of a story this season. I thought they would be sort of scratching and clawing for sixth and seventh without Kawhi. Um, there's there's something to the whole championship DNA thing with them, and there's just a toughness to them um, that that makes it difficult for me to count them out. Obviously, I'd pick the Bucks to win the East at this point, um, but it's it's pretty open too. And again, I just wouldn't be stunned if we saw some other team in the finals. Andy Bailey covers the Jazz in the NBA for Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. Andy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. There's Andy Bailey with PK and I. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up. Stay with us.